want us to uh, turn to, to Genesis chapter 21 in our Bibles today. I've got a couple things to read us first. A Sunday school teacher asked her little children as they were on the way to church service, and why is it necessary to be quiet in church? One bright little girl replied, because people are sleeping. One particular four-year-old prayed, and forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. <laughs> That'll almost preach. <laughs> a little boy was overheard praying, Lord, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a real good time like I am. <laughs> Do you remember when you prayed that, Rick, when you were a kid? On Sunday, in a Midwestern city, a young child was acting up during the morning worship hour. The parents did their best to maintain some sense of order in the pew, but were losing the battle. Finally, the father picked the little fellow up and walked sternly up the aisle on his way out. Just before reaching the safety of the foyer, the little one called loudly to the congregation, Pray for me! Pray for me! <laughs> Amen. The title of this message is Lift Up Your Eyes, Part 5, or specifically it's titled, What Are You Looking At? What, what has your gaze, what has captivated your attention, your focus? I, I want to tell a story that is in Genesis chapter 21. And Isaac has been born, uh, the, the child of promise, and, and he's growing. And on the day that he was weaned, Abraham made a great feast. And during that feast, Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Hagar, scoffing at his, his son Isaac. So he, she told Abra, Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son. Now, it, this was displeasing to Abraham because Ishmael was his son. In fact, if you remember, because Sarah couldn't have a child, seemingly, you know, she had, had given her maiden, her handmaiden to, to uh, Abraham as a wife so that she could have children through her handmaiden. So this was Abraham's child. But, but God said to Abraham, don't worry about it. Whatever Sarah says to you, do it. For Isaac, is your, Isaac, your seed, shall be... He, <laughs> for God said, it is through Isaac that your seed will be blessed. And I will also, I'll also make a great nation out of your son Ishmael, because he is also your seed. So Abraham got up early and he, and he takes some bread and, and a, a skin of water and he, and he puts it on Hagar's shoulder and he sends her and Ishmael away. So they depart and they wander in the wilderness of Beersheba. And soon she runs out of water and, and places the boy 
under one of the shrubs in the shade, and she sits down, a, it says, a bow shot away from him, and she's thinking, I don't want to see my boy die. So she sits there, and she lifts up her voice and weeps. Well, God sees what's going on, and an angel calls out to Hagar out of heaven, and this angel said to her, what's the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid, for God has heard the lad's voice. Get up, hold up Ishmael, for I will make him a great nation. So she obeys him, holds up Ishmael to the Lord. Now, the next verse is what I want to look at, because remember, she's out of water. She was actually preparing to die, and she didn't want to see her son died. And you know, although we can go a long time without food, 40, 50 days, believe it or not, but we cannot go very long without water. Just a few days. Now, this next verse is interesting. It's verse 19, and it says this, And God opens her eyes. And she sees a well of water, so she goes and fills the skin with water and gives the lad a drink. Have you ever thought, where did this water come from? There's no indication that God suddenly created it, you know, and it just came into being. God caused her to see something that preserved her life and her son's life. God opened her eyes to see something she couldn't see before. What does God want you and I to see? In your notes, what resources are unused or untapped because we can't see them? What are you looking at? You have to be able to see something before you can enjoy it or partake of it or use it. You have to be able to see something before it can benefit you. She had to see this well before she could draw water from it. Now, one more quick story out of the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 15. Are you doing okay? Have you spotted anybody asleep yet, Samuel? Okay. The children of Israel in this story have set out from the Red Sea, and they're in the wilderness of Shur. And they've been in this wilderness for three days, and they have found no water, and again... You can only go so long without water. And so they, 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 they came to a place called Mara, but they could not drink the water there. The water was bitter. The, the, the people began to grumble, and they, they said, what should we drink? Verse 25. And he cried out to the Lord and said, and the Lord showed him a tree. I think I've got this verse up there, James. Yeah, I know. I know that. The, the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. It, it's kind of an interesting story. The, the water was bitter. It wasn't drinkable water. The people grumbled because they were thirsty, so Moses cries out to God, and God showed him something. The Lord opened his eyes to see something that he hadn't seen before, and that something was the answer 
to his problem, God showed him a tree. And so he took it and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. Now, that tree is actually a prophetic picture of the cross and its healing power. Who himself bore my sins in his own body on the tree that I being dead to sin should live unto righteousness for by whose stripes I was healed. That tree thrown into the waters of humanity makes everything well, everything restored. But, but in each one of these stories, God opened someone's eyes to see something that they couldn't see before, and what they saw was their provision from God. What they saw was the answer to their current situation. Lord, open our eyes to see the things that you want to show us. We've been looking at this passage of scripture in Genesis 13. You know, some of you are probably thinking, is he going to preach on this all year? I'm not planning on it, but I'm telling you, I cannot read this passage without something stirring in my spirit. And as long as that happens, let me read it to us. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Father, open our eyes and open our hearts to see and to receive, to embrace the things that you want to say to us today. Father, we, we, we sit before you hungry to know you in a greater measure, hungry to understand your word and have your word be that life, that, that, that revelation, that spiritual understanding in our lives, God, in Jesus' name. God was saying to, to Abram, I, I, I've got something that I want to give you. But, but the first thing is, you've got to see it. So he asked Abraham to lift up his eyes from the place where he was in order to see the land that he was giving him, the promised land. The promised land of the Old Covenant is symbolic of all the promises in God's word for us. That's the fulfillment of those promises. That's our promised land. Now, the reason their land was called the promised land is because it was the fulfillment of what God had promised. God has promised us many things in the new covenant, the fulfillment of those promises, that's our promised land. Now, looking at this story with Abram, when God said this to him, his name was Abram. 
The truth is, God was giving this land to Abram and his descendants, but, but the problem was, <laughs> Abraham didn't have any descendants. Problem number one. Problem number two. The land had inhabitants that weren't going to roll over and play dead or just vacate the land when they find out it belongs to somebody else. But looking at the first problem, because Abram believed God, he had a son who had a son who had 12 sons. And thus the 12 tribes of Israel, the descendants of Abraham. Now we know that Joshua was the one who would take those 12 tribes into their inheritance, rooting out all of the previous inhabitants. One of my favorite verses of scripture in that, in that portion of scripture is Joshua 21, verse 45. It is a verse that, that should encourage every single one of us. Let me, let me read it to us. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel, all came to pass. There was nothing that didn't happen, that was promised. It all came to pass. That which began as a promise, it was fulfilled. The, the, the last words of this verse, all came to pass. Could we just say those four words? All came to pass. Because God doesn't make empty promises. In fact, in your notes, God doesn't make promises to bait us into disappointment. That would actually be cruel and border on child abuse. He makes promises so that we can understand what he wants to do. God has never promised something that he didn't want to do. A promise reveals the will of God. If God promises you something, it means it's his will for you to have it. But the first thing that you and I need to do is to see it. Does that make sense? Then after I see it, then I can rise up and begin to walk the length of it and walk the breadth of it and begin to, to take possession of it. You know, I, I realize that my message today is short. <laughs> I, I didn't hear what was said. Okay. Beyond 10.30? Okay. There is something about being able to see something that positions me 
to, to, to begin to step into it. In fact, what, what you and I see, what has our attention, what, what has captivated our gaze, it, ha- it, it pulls on you. It, it pulls on you. It, Mickey and I have uh, two nephews. Now, I'm going to tell you a story about them when they were little. They're, they're, they're adults now. But Justin is the older brother and, and uh, Jordan is the younger brother. And Jordan was learning to ride his bike. He's been riding with training wheels. And um, Justin has taken off the training wheels. And he's running along with him while he's riding his bike. And all of a sudden, he lets go. And he says, Jordan, you're doing it. But all of a sudden, Jordan sees this stick on the sidewalk in front of him, and he starts yelling out, there's a stick, there's a stick. What you look at will pull at you. And, and Justin just said to him, stop looking at the stick. Now, he just spoke with wisdom well beyond his years. You know, if you've ever heard the, the, the saying, Keep your eyes on the road. There really is something to that. There really is. I want to tell you about a a traumatic event I had as a child. It was about 15 minutes long. My parents, we used to go on, I guess you could call them family adventures. They would be on Saturdays or, or sometimes Sunday afternoons. And we would all hop in the car and we'd take off. Now, I don't mean to drive around town to have a Sunday drive. We'd go to, uh, uh, what's the falls out here? We'd go to Palouse Falls. Or we, you know what I mean? That, that was the kind of adventure. And it was always really fun. We really enjoyed it. We saw things we hadn't seen before. But on one of those ad- adventures, it was traumatic for me. Now, now let, me, let me paint the scenario. In this particular drive, my dad is driving. My mom is in the passenger seat in front. My brother is sitting be- behind my dad. I'm sitting behind my mom. And we're going along a dirt road. Uh, uh, it's a mountain. It's along a mountain. And, uh, and on my side was, was this sheer cliff. And there was no railing. And so we're, we're going along there, and I, all I'm doing is looking over the cliff. And I am traumatized as a kid. Now, I'm supposed to be the older brother. I, I, I'm four and a half years older than my brother, but I was freaking out. My brother was fine. And I kept telling my dad, don't drive off. The, you know, in my mind, I, I just saw us plummeting off the edge of this cliff, and that's exactly what I was looking at. Now, my dad, for some reason, didn't seem to be concerned at all. And I suspect it was because he was, had his eyes on the road. And uh, I, 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 I was terrorized. 
And I was communicating it, too. I, I was telling you know, I was trying to get him to get farther away from the cliff, you know, drive in the other lane, you know, I'm, all this stuff's going through my mind. Well, now, here's the interesting part. On the way back, we were sitting the same. Only on the way back, now I have the mountain that you couldn't possibly drive off of. And I'm just fine. And my brother has learned from me. Now, fortunately, because he's on this side of the road, it wasn't quite as bad when you're driving on this side of the road and the cliff's right there. But I, all I'm saying is this. What you're focused on will pull on your life. It will pull on you. And, and because of that, it's very, very important that we don't focus on the wrong things. That we don't let the wrong things be what has our gaze. See, once I can see something, once God shows me something, all of a sudden, I, I'm in a position now to begin to step into it. But until I see it, I can't do that. I don't even know it's there. I don't even know about it. Lift up your eyes from the place where you are. Stop looking at your circumstances. Stop looking at where you are right now. Lift up your eyes. Don't be captivated by the, thing, the way things look right now. This is just temporary. If he can get you to look beyond it, lift up your eyes so I can show you some things. Lift up your eyes so you can see what I want to do in your life. Is it possible that there are promises that God wants to fulfill in us, but he can't get us to look at them. Because we are, where we are has captivated our gaze. Could, it, could there be things that God wants to give each one of us, but the first step is for us to see them? What are you looking at? What has your gaze? Now, I, I want to ask you a question that I don't want you to answer. <laughs> what I mean is, it's a rhetorical question. It's designed to get you thinking. I do want you to think. So here it is. What is the language of the Holy Spirit? What language does the Holy Spirit speak in? It's not a trick question, but don't say tongues. What is the language that the Holy Spirit uses in order to communicate with us? Now, there's many places I could take you to in Scripture to answer this question, but I'm just taking you to one today. It's Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. The language of the Holy Spirit is vision, visions and dreams. Young men shall see vision, 
Old men shall dream dreams. That is the language of images. In your notes, the Holy Spirit uses the language of pictures. A a vision or, or a dream is a story played out in pictures. Part of learning to communicate and even to cooperate with the Holy Spirit is learning his language. Learning how he operates. Allowing him to form those pictures inside of us. Because once I can see it, I can begin to step into it. Now words paint pictures. We know this. If I said I was on a a white beach, just laying in the sand, I could feel the sun radiating through my body. Even though my eyes were closed, I could hear the waves coming in. What am I doing? I am painting a picture with words. I am describing something that I see and and I'm using words to try to impart the picture that is inside of me so that it will form a picture inside of you. And the more words that I speak, the clearer that picture becomes because words paint pictures. The Word of God is designed to paint pictures inside of us. There are pictures in the heart of God that have to do with his design and purpose, that have to do with who we are in him, that he has released to us through his word, and those, that word is designed to paint the picture that is in the heart of God about us inside of us. When you find a promise in God's word that grabs you, spend enough time with it. Spend enough time with the Holy Spirit and that promise until you see it. Until those words paint the picture. If I was to use a cooking analogy, I would say learn Learn to marinate in the Word and with the Holy Spirit. Take that promise and marinate with the Holy Spirit. Let the the Spirit of God take the nutrients, the spices, and the flavors and, and make them part of you until you see it. Until it forms a picture inside of you because the language of the Holy Spirit is pictures, visions, and dreams. When you find a promise from God to you, and the truth is, all the promises are to you, but the thing is, there are times when we read our Bible and something will grab us. And it's like God is speaking something very specific to us. And, and you know, we have a choice at that point. We, 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 we could say, yay, great, you know, God's stirring something in me. Wasn't that wonderful? And then just get on with life and the, all the other things that I, need, that I have on my plate. Or I could recognize that, whoa, God is calling me aside. 
God is calling me into time out to spend some time with me, to hang out with him, to allow that word that he's speaking in me to come alive and form the picture in me that was in the heart of God when he released it through the words he spoke. And see, once you see it, it's yours. Once you see it, God told Abram, he said, lift up your eyes from the place where you are. Stop looking at your current circumstances. Lift up your eyes. I want to show you something. He says, look northward, southward, eastward, and westward. I've given you this land. First, you've got to see it. But then he said this. He said, now, now that you see it, arise and begin to walk the length and the breadth and the depth of this land. Because it belongs to you. But notice that the, the, the critical part, the first part, is seeing it. When I can see something. Now, I'm not talking about trying to psych something up in my imagination. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about to where... The Holy Spirit is an artist. And, and he takes the, the, the paint of the word of God. And he begins to paint a picture on the inside of, our, of us, on the, on the canvas of our heart. And see, when he does that, it's yours. Amen. It is. Once you see it, the faith, the, at that point, faith is just natural and normal. You don't even have to try. Like, I know where my life is going. I know what God is calling me to. I know what God is doing because I, I see it. It is so real to me that, that, that it's like I'm, I'm there right now. It, it's like, it, it's like, Every step I take, I'm walking in, into that. I'm walking in that direction. I, I'm not wondering about this step or wondering about this. I'm just heading right into this revelation, this, this picture, this, this, this vision, this dream. The language of the Holy Spirit is visions and dreams or pictures. So when, when I find a promise, when you find a promise in God's word, don't, don't just say, oh, that's cool. Don't just write it down in your journal and say, wow, yeah, that's great. God spoke to me today. I'll have to share that with somebody. No. Recognize that you've been invited into a personal, personal mentoring time with the Holy Spirit who is going to take the, that, that, that promise and, and, and cause it to form a picture on the inside of you of who you are in God. And where you're going in God. Spend enough time with him to see it. Because seeing it is the first step. And in your notes, if you can see it, you can begin to take possession of it. If you can see it, you can begin 
to take possession of it. But you have to see it first. You know, over and over again, when God would talk to his people about their, their promised land, he would first talk about seeing it. And then once they saw it, his instructions were, go in and possess it. But first, they would have to see it. Let me just illustrate this or give you some verses that do this. You guys okay? Is everybody with me, Samuel? Okay, just check it. Deuteronomy 1.8. Behold, or, or see, see, I have set the land before you. Then he says, go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. First, behold it. See the land. First, you have to see it. Once you see it, then you go in to possess the land that he has given you. Deuteronomy 1, verse 21. Behold, or, or look, the Lord has, ha, your God has set the land before you. Look, go up and possess it. As the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you, do not fear or be discouraged. Behold, look, see the land I have set before you. See the promises that I have given you. Now go up, now that you see it, go up and take possession of it. One more. Deuteronomy 2. Verse 24 and 25. Rise, take your journey, and cross over the river Arnon. Behold, or look, I have given into your hand Sihon, the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. See, look, I want you to see that I've actually given this king and his army into your hand. I want you to see that. And see, once you see it, begin to possess it. Engage him in battle. You already know how this goes. You've seen it. You've seen it happen. You, you've seen it in your spirit for so long. You know exactly what's going to happen. And engage him in battle. This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you upon the nations under the whole heaven. Who shall hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you? Behold, look, I've given your hand, I've given into your hand this king and his army. Now that you see that, begin to possess it by engaging him in battle. Why is it important to see what God wants to give us? Because what we see, what, what we look at will pull on us. It, it's kind of like if you've set your focus on the wrong things, those wrong things will pull at you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Many times as, as new believers... Because of our past, because of the things that we fellowshiped with, because of the things we allowed our lives to engage with, 
We, we, we come into the Lord and it's like God desires to break things off of us because I, you, you can have a, what would you call it? A, a, a failure propensity. And what I mean by that is this. You, you just see yourself as a failure. In fact, everything you've ever done, you've ever you've failed in. And here's the interesting dynamic. All of a sudden, you start applying your hand to something, and you're actually doing really good. And, and, but but it's, it's new territory. I've, I've never been here before. I've never... I've never and, and, and they'll self-sabotage because... Like this is, I'm just, I'm, this is where I'm comfortable. Even though it's awful. It's kind of like the children of Israel. God delivers them out of Egypt. And I mean, that was such a glorious and amazing thing. God judged Israel. God delivered, I'm sorry, God judged Egypt and delivered Israel out of there. And... They're in the wilderness. All of a sudden, they're thinking about onions and leeks. That's why I don't like onions. You know, they started thinking about certain things that they had when they were in captivity. And, and you know, it wasn't that bad. I mean, we've actually been in captivity for hundreds of years. And we, we had onions and we had leeks. And, and what's happening there? They're... God is designed to break them out of a captivity mindset. Do you ever think about this? Israel had been in captivity for several hundred years. They have lived as slaves. Isn't it interesting that God would raise up somebody in royalty, somebody in Pharaoh's court, to deliver them out of their captivity. Somebody that didn't grow up as a slave. Somebody that grew up as royalty and had a different mindset, a different understanding. God would use that person to take them out of their captivity. Amen. I think I'm done. Does that make sense? What are you looking at? What, what has your attention? Because the enemy will always give you things to, to think about. He'll always give you something to worry about or, or something to grab your attention. He loves to give you offense. He loves to give you things like that, that will tangle you up inside. And you'll always feel so justified in your judgment. But see, we have to choose. God, God wants to transform us by the renewing of our mind. We made that declaration today about breakthrough thinking. All that, all that really is is Bible thinking. It, it's, it's thinking thinking that comes out of the reality. That, that I am a child 
of the God, the, the, the Father who created all things and who loves me and who lavishes his love on me and, and I'm in this position of favor with him because of Jesus Christ and his blood that was shed for me. And all of a sudden, I, I, I'm serving the God that has no impossibilities. The God who is love. The God who desires to manifest himself. The God who desires to demonstrate his kingdom. The God who desires to cause miracles to happen. All of a sudden, I'm, that changes the way I think. It breaks me out of this, this, this poverty mentality or, or this failure mentality or, or whatever, this orphan spirit that, that, I, that I've carried. It sets me free from those things. And I'm, I'm like, a, I'm a child of the king. The one who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who is in charge of it all. The one who created all things. That's who I serve. And I, I'm not just his servant. I'm not just his servant. But he has actually adopted me into his family and he calls me his son. Let's stand. Pray this prayer with me. Father, Father. open my eyes to see. I want to see I, what, what you want to show me. Let your word come alive. I, I want to marinate in it. I want to see pictures formed by the Holy Spirit that your word will paint in my life. In Jesus' name. Now, I, I just feel today I need to do something. If you're here today or if you're watching on Facebook or even if you'll watch at some other time on YouTube, I, I, I want to invite you into something today. You know, the, the greatest decision that we can ever make is the choice to come under the authority of the God who created us. The God who loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to, to die on the cross, to shed his blood, to pay the penalty for our sin. And that allows us to stand before the Father without any sense of guilt or, or shame or condemnation, free from those things, in a place of favor before God. Not because of what we have done. Not because of, of how good or how right we are, but all because we have faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. I want to invite you into a relationship with God the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. And it begins with a prayer. Now, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a prayer that you, like a magic formula, pray this prayer. It's not that. It's a heart prayer. That just acknowledges that, man, I'm a sinner. I need God. 
Jesus, I believe in you. And so I just want to encourage you. If you're watching, if you're here, pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I am a sinner, that I am hopelessly lost apart from you. But Father, I want to know you. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for me, that he rose again, and that he's coming again. And Jesus, I give you my life, all that I am. Take charge of it. Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me to live for my God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Wow. I'm going to invite prayer people to come up, be available to pray this morning. If you need prayer about anything, doesn't matter what it is, there, there will be people up here that will be uh, long, uh, de- very desirous to pray for you, to love on you, to bless you. I want to give you this benediction this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God bless you, saints. Have a great week.